Hello, hello, this is Jacqueline Swilly, and you're listening to Power Banking, the podcast for women who work in male-dominated industries. So let's hop into it. What do you do if you are a young working professional? Because I know a lot of you listen to the podcast, and I've had a lot of DM conversations with you all. You're young and you've worked really hard in school and you've busted your butt and you've done internships and you've been in organizations honing your skills as a student. Now you're a two-year, three-year, maybe four-year professional in the workplace and you're earning between forty dollars and $50,000. You want to be earning eighty k closer to six figures. I hear it all the time and I understand that you are eager for the next chapter, you are eager for more. However, there are levels to what you earn. And so I think it's a good time for us to have a conversation on the podcast about realistic workplace expectations. Because I talk a lot about knowing your value and not being afraid to walk away from a deal. However, however, knowing your value And knowing when to walk away from the deal has to be based on realistic expectations of the market rate, your skill set, and your track record of success. Education is just a small component of what it takes to be paid top dollar in the workplace. Being in extracurricular activities, those things are good. They help you hone lots of skills, teamwork, communication, maybe even leadership. However, the corporate world, the government world, the nonprofit world, the military is separate from what you've done in college to date. So this episode is going to be a lot longer than normal because what I have about three pages of notes here for this episode. What I want to do is I want to walk you through the realistic expectations that you can have. I want to debunk some myths that you may see. A lot of times when we talk about negotiation, um, it's about knowing your worth, which is so critically important. But you have to understand what your worth is based on realistic facts. So let's get it started with keeping your demands in check. All right. What do I mean by that? So you have to prove yourself at work. You cannot come into a job at your first performance review one year in and expect a 10, 20, 30 grand increase. That is not realistic. Realistically, what we see is we see a small percentage of an increase, somewhere between 2.5 are right slightly under 5% for an increase depending on the industry. Now, each company does their performance review process. It's different. Some companies don't even have a formal performance review process. They just give you a raise. There's no opportunity to negotiate. And so with that, don't go in thinking I've done the work that they asked me to do. It's been a year. I need more. Because that just isn't how the system is set up. Now, some companies give a merit raise, but it's becoming increasingly more popular that merit raises are not given just because you have 
X amount of years in service. You have to prove yourself. And so how do you prove yourself? It's building a track record of success. So we're talking about not a one-off, not a one-time thing, not a one-time kudos, and you're like, oh, I should be getting paid more because this one time everybody told me I did a good job. Well, they're encouraging you, especially as a new professional with less than five years of experience. The people around you, they want to help you develop and grow, especially if they see potential for you to be in the organization long term. So they're going to give you nuggets of encouragement. Don't get that confused with I need to get more money because I did a good job on this one assignment. Building a track record of success is consistently nailing your job. In my book, Navigating the Career Jungle, which is all about realistic expectations in the workplace, I talk about how you have to perform consistently. Okay, let me give you an example of what I mean by that. If your workday starts at 8 a.m., you should be at your desk, workstation, wherever you're placed, working at 8 a.m., When I was in corporate America, as well as when I was a contractor for the federal government, I can't tell you how many times I knew a person's workday started at a certain time. They were coming in maybe two or three minutes after. They'd set their things down, turn on the computer, and then they went to get breakfast, and then they went to fix coffee, and then they did something else. And an hour after they've been at work, now they're finally starting to get to work. If I noticed that as a peer, guess what? Their supervisors noticed it too. Other people notice that. So when you consistently perform at work, it's not just about checking off things on a box. It's about making sure that when someone walks by your desk, you're not watching a show on Netflix or scrolling through Facebook if that's not a part of your job. You're actually seen doing the work. And not just seen doing the work, you're producing results based on your consistent action of doing the work. Building a track record of success isn't about saying I have bragging rights. It's about people looking at what they hired you to do and say, when we look at the people that we hire to do a certain task, we bring people in to solve a problem for our organization. This is one of the people who gets the job done. And if you're not consistently doing all of the things that you need to do to get the thing to get your job done, then you're not building a proven track record of success. The other part of this is, you know, keeping your demands in check, understanding that you are learning so much in the first five to seven years of your career. You know, school teaches you a lot, but to be honest with you, a lot of the institutions in the U.S., they get criticized by corporations, by leading organizations, because the workers are coming out of college with less than the skill set that is needed. So the company's doing a lot in terms of training and development to get you up to par. So part of the process of understanding how to ask for more and when to ask for more and knowing your value is understanding that Just coming in right out the gate, you have a lot to learn, such as people skills, how to work with different types of people. I'll tell you this, too. Uh, It's in the book, but I'm going to spend a few seconds on it. You're not going to like everyone you work with 
all of the time. It's just not going to happen. As a professional, you're going to have to learn to work with difficult people. It is just part of the, the process. Everyone comes to work with their own personal baggage, whether we're supposed to check it at the door or not. That influences our attitude, our behaviors, our communication styles. And so you may have your own things going on. Everybody that works with you have their own things going on. And that impacts how they work, as well as their communication style. And so as a young professional, one of the best things that you can learn how to do is hone your communication skills. Not just what you say and how you say, but understanding how to read the tone of a room. Understanding when it's time to interject in a meeting and give your opinion, or when it's time for you to ask a question in a meeting. Understanding how to formulate your questions so that when you have the high visibility, high level leaders inside of the meeting with you, you're asking a question that makes them say, oh, she asks really great questions. What's her name again? You, those are things that you learn over time. OK, and so understanding how to communicate, how to read the room, how to read the body language, listening Listening more than you speak is critical no matter what job you're in so that you can be effective in getting work done. Ultimately, using what you hear to help you in building that track record of success. Now, along the lines of understanding that you're going to learn a lot is each industry is going through changes. It happens all the time because of technology. You have to understand the inner workings of your industry, not just the organization that you work for. And as a new career professional, again, someone with less than five years of experience, what I'm sharing with you is that when you want to go in and you want to demand a higher salary and you want 20, 30, 40 grand more, close to six figures, if you don't understand the key players in the industry, if you don't have personal relationships with people in the industry, you don't understand how the industry really works. And so to build those relationships, it takes time. It takes years. People have to know you. They have to like you. They have to trust you. And that does not happen overnight. So with that, part of the skill that you learn early on is understanding how to network without getting anything in return that day. I talked about a young lady that I coached in a previous episode, how she told me, help, I'm networking all wrong. I'm leaving these events with friends and not signed contracts. And she was freaking out. She thought she was going to get fired. Well, fast forward a year plus later, some of those relationships started turning into business. And that's the thing with networking. Again, these are things you learn with time. That as you build relationships with people and people begin to like you and you begin to like them and trust them and get to know who they are, you build those mutually beneficial relationships. Now you're moving into a different stage of your career where you're not able to just do tasks, but you're able to lead, you're able to engage, and you're able to reach out to people in other organizations and to get things done. And so when you look at your track record of success, it's not just what you do internally, it's what you do in the industry, it's what you do in your community. 
And none of this happens overnight. And that's what I want to stress in terms of keeping your demands in check. You might think, oh, I've, I've worked really hard and I deserve the six figures. But you don't. Not at two and a half years, not at four years of work experience. Okay, so let's just make sure we understand that education alone is not enough to command a high salary. Now, I want to talk to you about the market rate because the market rate is the market rate. That's what the market pays for someone in a certain title with a certain level of experience, educational background, etc. Now, what you're going to find is that the new trend is a lot of large organizations are no longer requiring a bachelor's degree. And so when you look at um, bossing up and and proudly saying you have degrees, which I have two degrees, you know, I, I think it's important to have that education. I can't tell you how invaluable my education and the relationships I have built through that education have benefited me. However, companies are not looking for degrees anymore. So you have to understand what the market rate is and what the market is asking for. So you cannot just shoot off and um, think that because you have a degree or or multiple degrees, that that alone is going to give you a different work category uh, in terms of salary. All right. The market rate is the market rate. And unless you are far advanced, meaning you have a certain skill set that is so unique and that is so rare and so in demand, that skill set is going to have to mature, okay? And with the maturity of it, you'll be able to command a higher salary as long as you're successful in the things that you do. You have to have receipts to back up your track record, all right? So it doesn't matter how advanced you are. If you can't prove that in any way, talking about it yourself is good, but it's only going to get you so far. And people talk. Industries are small. Cities are even smaller. And so you might think, oh, you know, I can get away with this and I can do this and I can cut this corner. Nope, nope, nope. Doesn't work. Always go the extra mile. You know, it's never crowded. I don't know who said that quote, but I that's one of my favorite quotes. Always go the extra mile because it's never crowded. And that's true. You know, the people who go above and beyond consistently. Now, I'm not saying work 80 hours a week, every week. That's unrealistic. You can't sustain that. But what I am saying is take initiative often. You know, go out and do what you're not asked to do, even though you know it needs to be done often. And so there's a a part of that where you have to finesse that and you do have to make your supervisor aware of that so they know what you're doing. But at the same time, you can't just sit back and do the bare minimum and expect to be considered a superstar, a high potential employee. So self-assess, y'all. Take a moment to be completely honest with yourself. Self-assessment, I believe, is one of the most underrated skills. And this isn't a millennial thing or a Gen X thing. This is across the board. I think in general, we think more highly of ourselves. 
And because of that, we're not truly honest with our self-assessment. And so when you can be completely honest with yourself, when you can look back and you can see certain patterns and certain behaviors and certain trends, identify those things and be able to come out and say, okay, this is an area where I can optimize. I can get better at this. And then not only saying I can get better at it, but going out and being disciplined to do whatever that is. There's another quote that I like, and it's an anonymous source, but it says, you won't always be motivated. That's why you have to learn to be disciplined. And y'all, that's 100% true. Nobody is motivated 100% of the time. But the thing that separates people who are successful from those who are not as successful as they want to be is the discipline. They do what they know they have to do, even though they don't want to do it. And so you have to dig deep and you're going to have to push yourself at times. And you're going to have to say, instead of getting on Instagram or going to this social gathering, this happy hour, this brunch, watching that TV show or that rerun or going down the rabbit hole of watching cat videos on Twitter for 45 minutes, I'm going to do this thing that I'm not motivated to do because I know I need to get that done. And when you do that in your career consistently, that's going to produce results. And that's all a part of being honest with yourself and having that ability to self-assess. Now, let me give you a couple of clues. Um, And my clues are just things to help you understand when you're on track to get more money And when you're on track to be identified as a high potential employee. So the first thing is when people call you for challenging tasks because they know you'll get it done. Uh, At one point in my career, someone told me you're being overwhelmed with work because you're one of the few people who get it done and do it right. And so it's like a penalty or this is how it was told to me. The extra work that I was being assigned was a penalty because I was doing the work right. And ultimately, the true test of my work ethic and my success record was when I resigned from my um, federal government contractor position to go into my business full time, I got four offers from other departments within the same agency to come in and work with them because they knew my work ethic. They knew I could take those challenging assignments. So what people were telling me at the time was, oh, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad for you. You're getting all of this work and the other people aren't getting this work. I knew it was because folks knew I can get it done. And y'all, that was just a huge ego boost for me, even though I knew, you know, I was set out in a different direction. And if I didn't take that opportunity to go into my business full time at that moment, I may have never done it. It was still a huge compliment for me to be able to step out and say my work not only speaks for itself, but it traveled to people that I didn't even know knew about me and who were watching. The other clue is you are known as someone who tackles the hard stuff. There are people who run from challenges and there are people who run to challenges. Excuse me. Which one are you? When you talk about proving that track record, now I'm not saying running into a fire, burning building or anything like that. 
But we all know at work, there are seasons where you get really busy and there are seasons where things are just kind of hectic and there are folks who can figure it out and there are folks who can just do the work and keep floating by, barely making it. If you can identify yourself as someone who can figure out problems, who can solve problems, who can take a tough assignment and still be able to produce at a high level, now you're on track as a young professional, someone with less than five years of experience to be able to come in and say, okay, I am worth more money because I do the hard stuff, okay? And it's not necessarily you saying that, it's letting your action speak for itself. This is again, another way to to prove your track record of success. So I want to tell you what it is not. Commanding, knowing your value is not saying, I went to school. I spent so much on my degree. I've been in school for so many years. I was involved in these extracurricular activities. And I need more money because I've been living broke for a long time. That is not what knowing your value is about. Your bills do not predicate your salary. I want to remind you that the market rate is the market rate, okay? The next thing, you have more assignments. This is what it is not. Knowing your value is not saying, I have more assignments at work. And because of that, I need more money. You have to understand that coming in, As a new employee of any organization, but especially as a young professional, things, your full job description, they're not going to give you all things at once. They understand that you have to ramp up into it. So I think, especially in terms of really setting realistic expectations, gradually your full workload will come. But you're not getting, in most cases... I know there's always an exception to the rule, but in most cases, on your first three months, you're not getting your full workload yet because people understand as a new employee, as a young professional, you need time to ramp up and to adjust to how things are done. So over the course of a year of 18 months, you're still, you still might be ramping up depending on the type of work that you do because the workload Uh, is going to be, they're going to assign it to you based on how you're performing. And no one, and again, like I said, I know there is always an exception to the rule, but no one's going to throw you in week two of your job and say sink or swim. Here is the full workload that we would expect someone to do with five years of experience. Those things come with time. And so just because you've been given extra assignments that you didn't have two months in or three months in, and now you're 18 months in, does not necessarily correlate that you need a whole entire pay grade change. Sometimes you're just now getting the work that they would expect a young professional to have because you've proven yourself over time to understand the systems, the processes, the inner workings of things, and now they know you, they can give you more work and you'll be able to efficiently and effectively get those things done. All right, what it is not, another one. Knowing your value is not when people tell you you've done a good job 
and now you think you need a raise. I worked with a young lady once who had a challenging assignment and it was something that she had to work on for a while because it involved an outside party and the outside party was hard to track down. So she knew what this person looked like and her assignment was to get this information to this outside party. Well, she recognized the person had something in common with her. And so she used that mutual uh, interest to get the person's attention and she was able to deliver that information. That's great. A lot of people applauded her for that, but she wanted a raise and you don't get a raise for doing your job. Even if you have a challenging assignment and everyone knows that it's challenging and they expect it to take you longer than normal because they know it's tough, that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get a raise. Now, I encourage my leaders when someone does something, you know, great to reward them appropriately. But an appropriate reward is not every time you do something, you expect a big raise. Because let me tell you something, if companies operated like that, they wouldn't be able to stay in business. It's just not realistic. Companies have budgets to operate on. And if they give you a raise every time you do something well, that's like putting a gold star on your paper. They're going to run out of money and you ain't going to have no job. So it's a process to this. One kudos, two kudos is not equal a $10,000 raise, okay? That's just not how work works. It's good to feel appreciated, and you do want people to recognize that. I get it. But it's just, again, setting those expectations that a pat on the back does not equal a big bump in pay. Another item under what it is not in terms of knowing your value. You worked more than eight hours a day but you're in a salaried role. If you don't get paid by the hour, typically you work eight hours a day, but every now and then you work eight and a half, nine hours, sometimes 10 hours, especially if it's a peak season, that is part of the job. That is considered work. You're not an hourly employee. So you can't go in and demand a big raise because you normally work eight hours, but for three weeks, you had to work nine hours. It does not work like that. That's not how the system is set up. So you have to understand how companies are structured, organizations are structured. Because if you are not being paid hourly, you cannot walk up there and say, y'all need to give me $5,000 more because my salary equals to this amount hourly and I've been working extra hours. If that is not how the company is structured and if you are not paid hourly, guess what? That is part of your job. That's why you are a salaried employee. And I'm not trying to be rude here, but I hear this so often. People coming to me in desperation with 18 months, 24 months, 36 months of work experience, and they have these high demands and they're saying the company doesn't know my value. And it's not that the company doesn't know your value. You're being paid appropriately or at the market rate for your level of experience. But at the same time, you have to understand how the system works. And part of being a young professional is it takes time to figure these things out. It just takes time. You can't rush that. You can't microwave and instantly know everything that you would have known in five years. You need to work that time so you can figure it out.
All right. Now, a good mentor, sponsor, advisor, a coach, they're going to put you on game and help you accelerate your learning process. But again, it's still going to take some time. All right. Last thing under what it is not. You help pick up slack for someone else. That is not knowing your value and saying, now y'all need to pay me more because I helped out Johnny. Nope. That's called teamwork. And teamwork is just part of the process, okay? Most job descriptions at some point say some level of teamwork. So when you help someone out for whatever reason, don't expect to get a raise because you help the team member out. You're being a team player. You know, when you think about sports teams, when a person assists, they don't turn around at the end of the game and say, I assisted this person in getting this done. I need a raise. No, assist is a part of what being a team is all about. So if you pick up the slack for someone, great job. You're demonstrating that you understand teamwork. And I'm sure at some point, if you needed someone to pick up the slack for you, you would appreciate if they do it for you as well. So those are the things of what it is not. When I talk about knowing your value, um, those five things there, that's what I want you to consider in terms of what I don't mean when I say know your value. It's not that stuff. All right, so when is it time to ask for more? So it's time to ask for more when... You have consistently, consistently slayed on the job, went above and beyond. And so somewhere around 24 months in, when you have consistently been doing a great job, you've consistently taken on extra assignments, you've two, you're two years into the job, now you can have a conversation about moving into a different role or a different title, and if appropriate, getting that appropriate salary raise. But again, still two years in, you're still learning. There's still so much to learn. So don't think you're going to go from 40000 to to 100000 after two years because you slave for two years. You have to continue to slay. And I will also tell you this. What got you here won't get you there. So what got you to the level that you're at now where you're slaying, that's not going to get you to the next level. You have to continue to raise the bar to find new ways to add additional value. And, you know, part of that is going to be identifying opportunities to be on assignments that are going to give you more challenges and higher visibility. And how you identify those things is a part of, again, part of the process of understanding how the industry works, how the company works. Because you can't keep doing your same old job. Sometimes you're going to have to raise your hand and sign up for the extra projects. And as women who listen to this podcast, I do want to encourage you, don't get sucked into the the only extra assignment I can do is diversity and inclusion, because that is not, you know, whatever your unique skill set is, going back to self-assessing, whatever your unique skill set is, you want to articulate that to your supervisor and let them know that you have an interest in doing whatever it is that you have a skill to do. In addition to what your work is so that you can get that additional exposure and experience so that you can make a well-informed decision if you want to move to a different department or if you want to take on a new assignment. A lot of people that I work with, they um, 
will say, you know, I want to switch over from marketing and I want to go over to accounting. And then they get over to accounting and it's not what it was cracked up to be or vice versa. And so if you can dip your toe in the water at work and work on these projects where you can really figure out the culture of this other team and how they work. And maybe you like work, working eight hours a day, but the department that you really want to work in, they, they work 10 hours a day. Maybe you don't want that lifestyle. And so understanding how other departments work and other functions in an organization uh, operate, that will help you make well-informed decisions, okay? So slay on the job, but do it consistently And after you've done that for a while, identify challenging opportunities, new projects, high visibility roles that you can pitch to your supervisor that you want to be a part of. You have to prove that you can add significant value to the company because at the end of the day, this is an exchange. They give you money in exchange for a service that you provide, whatever the work is that you do. And so... When you talk about proving your value and knowing your value, you have to be able to measure this in some type of metric, all right? Some type of way, you got to be able to measure the work that you do. And in my book, I give you this diagram. um, And on the YouTube channel, Jacqueline Twilly, uh, on YouTube, I have how to prepare for your performance review where I go really deep on this one. So I want you to go to that video of how to prepare for a performance review because that's another way to help you to quantify the value that you add. Because I know not everyone is in sales or customer service or something where you have some type of metric, but in every function there is a metric. And so you have to understand what that metric is for your function and be able to speak to that in terms of um, speaking to the value you add to the employer. All right. Again, we're talking about knowing when it's time to ask for more in this section. And so the next thing is you've addressed known areas of improvement. Let's go back to self-assessing for a second. If your supervisor has given you feedback that they like you to improve on a certain thing or they've casually mentioned something to you several times, it might not be a requirement for work, but it's a highly suggested for work. I highly suggest it is a required, okay? And so I, I know a lot of people say, well, if, you, if it's required, just tell me it's required and I'll do it. You got to be able to read the tone again. Read the tone, read in between the lines. And those little things like that, that's addressing areas of known opportunity. And so you don't want to just say, I heard you. I acknowledge that. You want to do something about it. You want to put some action behind it. And so whatever it is that you have identified being, you know, honest with yourself or taking the feedback from your peers or your supervisor or your performance review, you want to do something tangible to show that you're improving in that area because of a mark, a mark of a leader and a mark of a high potential employee is someone who can take feedback and implement that well. The next thing under when is the time to ask for more? Understand how office politics works and they're played in your office. You know, a lot of people say, I don't like the office politics. I'm not here to play games. And I want you to think about it in terms of this is just how it operates. You know, it's not a, a hockey game or anything like that. This is office politics is code word for this is how things operate. 
And so if you're not clued in to the power players, the key players, the decision makers, the roadblocks, you know, the people who hold things up, the doorkeepers, um, you're missing a huge opportunity. And so with that, you really need to get to a point where you understand the politics of your office and you have to understand who the key individuals are in these different components. Because when you identify that, now you're able to put yourself in the position so that you can hear about this new opportunity to be on a extra project that's going to give you that visibility and exposure and also that new challenge that you need to demonstrate that you are ready for the next level. And so the last thing is the technique of asking for it, how to finesse it. I'm going to refer you back to my YouTube channel, Jacqueline Twilly, because I have a lot of videos that will give you some scripts as well as there's a free negotiation checklist on my website and JacquelineTwilly.com that you can use in terms of finessing. But I know this podcast was longer than normal, so I want to cut it off here. Let me recap for you what we went over today. I know, like I said, this is longer than normal. I had a lot of notes, but this was a really important topic. And because I hear these concerns from so many young professionals, I just had to get this out there. And I really would ask that you would share this with anyone you know who is someone with five years of less experience or someone who's preparing to go into the job market for the first time because when you have your expectations set appropriately and you understand how things work you're putting yourself in a better position to be successful so a quick recap keep your demands in check all right the market rate is the market rate be willing to self-assess Understand that early on you are learning and you have to build a track record of success. You have to prove yourself. There are clues that let you know when you're ready to be a high potential employee. So don't be afraid to run run away from challenging assignments or the quote unquote hard work. When it comes to knowing your value, it does not mean having a degree means you need 20K more. Your bills don't determine that you need more money. Want to go on vacations or live a certain lifestyle does not indicate that you need more money, all right? Um, Just because you have more assignments than you did your first couple of weeks or months at work doesn't mean that you, you automatically need a raise. Maybe you're just now getting the full scope of the work that they want you to do. Just because people tell you good job does not equal a significant raise. And if you're a salaried employee and every now and then or, you know, at certain seasons you work more than eight hours a day, that does not mean you get more money. And lastly, when it comes to knowing your value, you help pick up somebody's slack on your team. That's called teamwork. That doesn't mean you need to raise. When is it time to ask for more? So when you consistently slayed on the job, it's time to look for opportunities to increase your exposure within the organization, to take on challenging projects that increase your visibility and enhance your skill set. When you can speak to the metrics that talk about how you prove the value that you add, okay? The next is addressing known areas of improvement, even those things that might come to you subtly. And lastly, understanding how office politics is played. 
So that's it, y'all. If you have any questions about this episode, like I said, I read your DMs. It doesn't matter what platform they come on. I read them. I try to respond or I'll give you a podcast episode on it. So until next time, keep emulating excellence and eliminating excuses. My name is Jacqueline Twilley, and it is always my pleasure to share this information with you. Bye now.